1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. I'm your host, Jimmy Skinner, coming at you from Dell Hollow Lake, Eastport Marina. Uh, me and Brian made it down here a little earlier than everybody. We got these kick-ass cabins out here in the middle of nowhere, which is fantastic. Uh, Brian's in the back dancing a little jig. I wish y'all could see it. Uh, I don't know. You kind of probably don't want to see that, but... Yeah, we're down here. We're getting ready for our event. We've got a joint event with the Central Tennessee Kayak Anglers and the Cumberland Kayak Trail uh, two-day event down here. So if you haven't signed up, you're going to be in the area, or you maybe you're not in the area, but it's a close drive and you got nothing else to do this coming up weekend. Come on down, catch some smallies, you know, see if you can cash a check. Uh, but that's not what the show is about tonight. Tonight, uh, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, what this show is, is we're covering the winners from the Hobie BOS on Sandy Cooper. So without further ado, I would say in their respective order, but it's going to, they actually lined up perfectly in the background. Your winner, Nate Conley, second place, Russ Snyders, third place, Cody Milton. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Doing good. Good. Doing well. Cody's doing so good that he just kept fishing and about forgot about the show, but we'll forgive him this time. <laughs> the last hour really heated up. It was good. <laughs> what what part of the country are you in right now? Uh, I'm down in Shreveport fishing the the Caddo, Caddo Lake Tournament for a KBF. Oh, okay. I bet it is fired up down there right now. It, it, it was like the water temperature was like 70, 72 degrees when I got off the water. They were they were they were pretty good. <sighs> I'm hearing water's like 53 up here right now, so that's kind of depressing. <laughs> uh, what about you, Russ? Uh, you, you get back home okay? Yeah, got back home. Uh, yeah, got in yesterday and just been unpacking and uh, getting things, you know, just getting settled in and getting, uh, I guess, got a few weeks until my next tournament at Ufala. So I'm going to try to just take care of some stuff here while I can. No, that's great, man. It's, uh, it's probably much, much needed. I know the season kind of just kicked off for some people, but, you know, those back-to-back grinders like Cody's doing have got to be just, you know, there's stuff that at home that needs to be done that 
will not get done if you're not there doing it. So I, I understand. Uh, what about you, Nate? Out of everybody, you had probably the crappiest distance-wise drive. Uh, old Mister Canada over here yeah. had a. It's a. It's a happy drive. You're going back in a great mood, but it probably still sucked. Yeah, I actually came home to a snowstorm and completely iced <laughs> over roads. So that was that was fun. Yeah, it was a 16-hour drive and um, ended up making it home last night at midnight. And been so busy with work and I just got my car unpacked about an hour ago. So we're getting settled in. That's nuts. Well, uh, like I said, in the very beginning of this, uh, this is, you know, covering the Hobie BOS on Sandy Cooper. Um, I want to get Russ, tell us a little bit about the lake. And then I want to get Nate's perspective of it coming from somebody outside of the country who, you know, covered a hell of a distance to come fish this lake in particular, but give, give us a little breakdown, Russ. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Sandy Cooper, it's, uh, it's basically Cyp- Cypress swamps is, is uh, very similar to Caddo where, uh, where Cody's at. It's my second time there. I went there for the KBF event a couple years ago and it was a little earlier in the season. Uh, and this time for the, the, the Hobie tournament here, we, uh, we hit it right after a full moon where they where they where was a big spawn. And, you know, to be honest, the weekend before was that Bassmaster tournament and they really got it just right. There was a couple couple of those anglers hit the century mark. And, uh, you know, we after, after that tournament, we got there. So I got to be, beat up a little bit by the Elite Series anglers. But it's such a popular lake that, you know, it gets beat up just about every weekend with tournaments. But um you know it's good pre-fishing throughout the week for a lot of guys uh but we did have some dropping water and some you know some serious wind and some pretty unseasonable cold weather too so mm-hmm. uh, that definitely affected the bite made it a little tougher but there was still i mean it, it was pretty impressive how many fish were over 20 inches were oh yeah there was something i was going to get to you know is there was a ridiculous amount of good fish caught and then you know, there was also a tournament in conjunction with the Hobie that was the uh, Queen City Kayak Anglers, I think is who it was, yeah. that Eric Siddiqui won. And there were a ton of huge fish caught in that tournament. It was just a lot more, you know, falling off as far as good limits went. But it's anybody that knows anything about Sandy Cooper, whether you've been or not, knows that it historically is a, a big fish producer. So, so going from that, like Nate, Coming from Canada, why did you pick this one? And what was your, you know, not tournament details, but give us your rundown of the lake, what you saw, like what kind of lake it is, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I, I knew that the elites were coming there um, uh, like a while ago. So I, I started researching the lake and and uh, I do a lot of YouTube research. So I was watching all the videos from, I think it was the 2006, it was like, just multiple 30 pound bags and and uh i just wanted to come down and catch some monsters like my whole goal was you know i wasn't thinking like i want to you know i want to win this thing i I just i want to be competitive and and i just wanted to try to catch some giants i know there's you know they're catching double digits out there sometimes eights are are pretty common like every week so a lot of big fish and 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 that's actually what brought me down that's awesome i I just it it, first thing i thought of when i saw you know the results was you know what i mean obviously it's a great lake but there's hundreds of great lakes in our country you know what made that lake appeal you know 
the most to come attack that one. So that, that's that. Obviously, you know, big fish. Oh, look, the beer fairy. Thank you, fairy. <laughs> but um, what about you, Cody? Is there anything you can add to that that these guys haven't said? Any any definition or explanation to the lake that you can? Add? Um, man, the one thing that was kind of unique is I've been to Santee. This is probably my fourth trip there. Is they were they were definitely kind of on cypress trees this week, but that's not typically where you know they're not always on cypress trees. You know, on on Santee, like you know, like Caddo and stuff. Like they're always on cypress trees and stuff for the most part. But I found that to be like probably the most unique thing that I'd seen. You know, from the past times of being there was. They were definitely, you know, spawning on some of those trees. I know, I mean, all the fish weren't spawning on them, but uh, definitely a pretty good portion of them were. Heck yeah. It, it sounds like every time I choose to skip out on these events, and it's nothing against, you know, Hobie or anything, or, you know, I prefer to run a motor. That's probably the only thing that keeps me out of them. But for the most part, it seems like a lot of these events are timed well, and as excited I am to hear about you guys doing so great and like, damn, I wish I'd been there because it's, you know, spawning on trees and the cypress swamp that like, that's my kind of thing. But, uh, but you know, there's a great explanation. Um, so let's go right off of that and talk about pre-fishing. Uh, Cody, we'll start with you. Um, you know, did you get to have some time on the water or did you come in late and just kind of get on them or how'd that go? You say that, oh, you say that one more time. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I was fixing out. to say, no, you're good. Um, you know, going right into pre-fishing, uh, you know, tell us, did you, did you get some time to pre-fish? Did you just fish history and show up kind of late? How, what was your, your game plan going in? We might be losing Cody a little bit. Russ, go ahead and tell us about how your uh, pre-fishing setup went, and I'm gonna it- I'm gonna work on Cody a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time watching watching bass live. I think whenever uh, there's a tournament, you know, where there's where there's a Bassmaster tournament right before four hours. I mean, the smartest thing you can do is, is watch as much of that bass live or any kind of live coverage uh, as possible, and just get an idea. It'll really, you know give you an idea of what's going on in that lake oh for sure and, uh, you could tell there was there was a major spawn going on and uh the majority large majority of the competitors were sight fishing and a large majority of the competitors were actually grouped up uh on you know one section really of lake marion uh and uh sandy cooper lakes you know it's lake marion and lake moultrie like and both can come into play uh, but it seemed like the large majority were on Lake Marion and fishing a lot of those northern creeks that had clear water and, and mm-hmm. they were sight fishing them. Uh, so there was a big storm and, I, and listening to the Bass Live, um, you know, they were saying that guys were getting them upriver more during pre-fish, but they had a big storm that came through a couple days before and really blew out a lot of that that northern area there. Uh, yeah. upriver, so, or I guess western yeah, I guess western, north, yeah, western area, which would be upriver more. Um, so taking that, you know, into account when I when I got there, I figure I'd do a little bit of both. I was hoping, really hoping to to fish some of that area that that hadn't been beat up and that that muddy water that you know that got washed out. 
because I, I knew that anybody else, you know, any other bass boat tournaments or any other, especially a lot of the other kayak competitors that were watching, I figured most people were going to spend a lot of time on those northern creeks with the clear water. And uh, I really wanted to try to stay away from that, stay away from sight fishing. Because another thing is I looked at our forecasts and saw that the temperatures were going to drop drastically and it was going to be, you know, 30 mile an hour winds with like gusts to 40 on Saturday. So I'm like, all right. So from the start, when I got there Monday night, starting Tuesday, uh, I really focused on areas that were going to be protected from that west wind and mm -hmm. areas that had dirty water, you know, hoping I was going to get a bunch of fish that were the fresh fish that, that were moving up as that water was starting to stabilize. And right. uh, Tuesday was a little tough, but then starting Wednesday, um, I figured out a good pattern. My my buddy and roommate lives with me, uh, Adam Riser, uh, he, he had a good day Tuesday. And because of him, and, you know, because of him, I, I he kind of pointed me in the right direction too. He said he was getting fish on reaction baits, fish in cypress trees. Uh, in that dirtier water and i'm like that's exactly what i want to be doing as well so uh wednesday i found found some good fish i probably i probably had 50 bites or so and i was just trying to keep it really quiet i wasn't talking to a lot of people just adam and cody were the only people i really talked to and uh, and yeah shook off as many as i could but it's hard to shake them off too because you know they man they're really aggressive and they'd run like crazy and you try to you know, leave it in their mouth too long. They start getting wrapped around the cypress trees and stuff. So I hooked more than I really would have liked to, but, um, but yeah. And then Thursday I found another similar area and I knew Adam's area was pretty similar. So I'm like, all right, this is definitely a pattern that's happening all over the lake there. And, uh, then, uh, then Friday I was talking to Cody and, and on Friday I'm like, Hey man, let's go check out this other area. I already knew where I wanted to fish. Adam knew where he wanted to fish. So me and Cody explored an area uh, and found some good fish as well. So I think all three of us were, were doing a similar, you know, similar pattern, but just on, uh, we had our own maybe large area to ourselves, you know. Which you, you know, considering how many people are in an event and you tend to see a lot of like grouping up sometimes, having like having that confidence that you've got a pattern, you've basically got your own water. You know, that just I think I only shared it with one. There's only one kayak angler that I shared water with the whole time. We both and you can it. deal with one. Sometimes you can yeah. deal with two. It's when it's five or you pull up to the ramp like I did at Logan Martin and there's 33 people at your ramp and you're just like, well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Nate? How, how did pre-fishing go for you? Have you? Did you have any previous experience? Have you ever made the drive down to Sandy <laughs> before or was this just a, I'm just going for it? Yeah, no, I was just going for it. it. It was the first time I was on the lake. Um, you, you know, I did a lot of lake research before I got down there. Um, a lot on Google Maps and, and looking at Navionics and sea mapping and stuff like that. But it was, for me, it was, you know, quite similar to what Russ was saying. Like I was watching the elites. I kind of figured everyone would be, you know, rushing into Potato Creek or exactly. completely avoiding it, um, you know, so... I, I did end up fishing a lot of the the northern creeks. That's kind of where I started because I was I was looking for clean water. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a little different than Russ. You you know you're maybe power fishing, and I I fish a little more you know finesse and I'm, I slow down quite a bit. Really pick my pick my uh, spots apart. So um, I wasn't catching anything on moving baits um, in in pre fish. 
Um, but I did check a lot of the northern creeks, and then I went down to the uh, southern end of, of Marion and, and checked out a bunch of pockets down there. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I only got like two bites a day. And, but if I did get two bites, I kind of left the area and said, okay, there's fish here. I'm going to stay. But I did get a couple giant bites on the south end. Um, Like probably the biggest fish and, and I, and I didn't land it. I, I, I pitched to a cypress tree, just got hammered. Uh, he's, he's pulling, pulling, <clears throat> pulling drag. He goes to jump and I pin him down. Then he flies the other way about to jump. I pin him down. Then he, then he goes directly, uh, across from the boat about 15 feet out and, and goes to jump. And he's like, it's like, reminded me of like a whale coming out of the water, you know, those, <laughs> those humpback whales that can't really yeah. get water and they just kind of fall over to the side. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what it was like. And it was huge. I, like, I, I felt like it was like, like a ruler wide. It was, it was insane. And he like spit the hook straight up in the air. Oh, yeah. that, that, uh, that little jump, if you can call it that. But so, I kind of kept that spot too. If my if my northern creeks didn't didn't work out, and uh, yeah, I, I pre-fished from Monday. Uh, well, sorry, Tuesday to uh, to Friday, um, and I was a little concerned going into the tournament because uh, I was it was nothing like Russ. I did, there was no fifty bites. It was it was a couple a day, and our whole household was like that too. It was it was a couple bites a day, shook a few off, but it wasn't. I wasn't terribly excited going into day one that I was going to just, you know. Keep, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what's, it's always, I mean, and this is bass fishing in particular, and it could be just because I'm biased, but I feel like it's it's more so with kayak fishing that I personally see that so many tournaments, if you go through the top, especially, you know, first and second, it's very, very rare that they're running, like, in the same situation, you know, moving bait bite, shallow bite, deep bite. There's just so much diversity and it's, it's great because it shows just how many things 
come into play and how many possibilities that there can be. Um, what, what about you, Cody? We, we, uh, we know that, you know, you, uh, you and Russ and everybody, or you, Russ and Adam kind of, you know, have talked and stuff like that. So similar bite that you had going on or similar bite that Russ had going on. Yeah, it was, it was pretty similar. Uh, um, kind of my first few days of practice, I actually kind of stayed more on the main lake, I guess was kind of crossing my fingers that that wind wasn't real that they were forecasting. Um, cause I was, I was loving fishing those deeper cypress trees, like out, out on the main lake. Um, right. had an epic day the first day I was there. Um, got like a 23 something, like probably lost another 23 something. And then like the next day kind of went back to the, it kind of did the same thing in a different area and like lost probably one that was like, you know, personal best. Like it was a big, big one, but I wouldn't get a ton of bites doing it. You know, I just, I really felt like that wind, I felt like if they missed that wind a little bit and it was, it was really only like 20 to 25, like I really thought it was going to go off on the main lake still kind of like you saw on, you know, Sunday. Um, right. That wind was still howling. It was probably only 20 or so, but you know, the, those big bags came out of the main lake for the most part. Um, and I mean, I do think that those were probably next wave fish, you know? Um, yeah. I'm pretty convinced like when you were really getting way up in those trees and kind of got in that two, three foot of water, I didn't think they were spawners at first, but I, especially on Sunday really convinced me that they were, they were spawning fish, you know, like, I missed a few bites the first day, even like broke a fish off the first day and went back, made one cast, caught it the caught it on Sunday. So that was pretty cool. Uh, that this time of year, that's one of those like telltales that like, oh yeah, you're spawning. <laughs> it's surprising though, because that water temp was still in the high fifties. It was. Yeah. yeah. And they're still spawning. Yep. Usually, you know, you want that magic number to be like 62, 63, but it was like 58, 59 degrees and they were still spawning in it. So yeah. that's something that I wanted to hit on real quick is, you know, for you guys that are, you know, been fishing a long time, got a lot of experience with this. Do you, I mean, everybody knows that the photo period and water temperature come into play in this time of year with the spawn, but with the crazy weather that we've had, and it seems like for some areas, the colder weather's kind of lasted just a little bit longer and our water temps have stayed down. Do you think that that's making those a little bit lower water temps like, not as much as a factor as they're like, okay, I am ready to come up and get this deal done and get this spawn over with. Well, what do y'all think? Man, I've had a theory, like, uh, I kind of believe like when you're in a tropical climate, like a Florida, South Carolina, probably even kind of like a South Louisiana, I feel like it's more, I feel like it's more based on the moon on those places. I know that right. we didn't completely say that because I know like, you kind of get in, you know, middle Tennessee, Arkansas, kind of in the Midwest, like, you know, when that, when the water's right, they'll kind of go at any time. But it seems like when you're in those areas, when the water's right for a long time, it is more based on the moon than anything. Right. Yeah. Cause there was warm water early, like much earlier, like a month before. And you always see it like, like around here, it still hasn't even hit 63 yet. So sometimes it hits 63 or, you know, low sixties. And you're expecting them to be there, and they're not. We're like, what well, the water temperature is there? Like, why aren't they there yet? But sometimes it takes, you know, it takes like that second wave of it needs to be stable or that water temperature for for a couple of weeks before they really decide to move up. A lot of times, I can say personally in the south, I don't think that we've seen that yet. I think we're like way later than what I've experienced in the last few years because 
you know, we did have like three days in the 80s and water temps were, I saw, you know, mid 60s. But as soon as you got there, then the temperature fell out. We had snow, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it went as just as fast as it came. Uh, you got any thoughts on that, Nate? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure if my if my gauge was right, but but I was reading like 60 and a half to like 61 and a half in, in my creek. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that. That it was warmer that part of the lake than yeah. I remember, for sure. Yeah. yeah, especially if you. I was going to say if you were up there in the northern, maybe a little bit cleaner water, which that's an argument too. You know, um, that muddy water warms up faster than clear water. It just depends on depth. Blah 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 blah. We won't get into all that. Check out Bass Universe for that kind of information. <laughs> but yeah, uh, actually, Jimmy, to to touch on that point about why it came down too, is is actually in Ontario, we we have you know conservation here so we actually can't um we we can't uh fish during the spawn so yeah that was actually another reason why i wanted to come down i knew that the fish would be spawning and it was going to be something new and, and unique and, and i actually did know that um i don't know if you're part of it we i had me and dan perry we had some of one of the ontario kayak clubs on uh i think this time last year and he actually enlightened us to that because yeah. uh, y'all had a bunch of anglers showing up for tournaments. It was actually, it had been later in the year then. But, you know, talking about y'all's uh, open water time period, the not being able to fish in the spawn, mm-hmm. you know, really only having good bass, bass fishing for, I think he said like four or five months or something like that. I can't remember. I'd have to go back to the episode. If anybody wants to check out on that, that do, do not realize that the Canadians bass fish, look that episode back up and, they, they've got a bunch of good fish up there, too. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's the uh, Ontario Kayak Bass Trail. You're, that's you're it. lucky speaking with John Dean. Yeah. He's the tournament director there. So that's that's what I fish. But, yeah, our, our fishing season doesn't open until June 26th. Or, or, well, I should say the third Saturday in June. So That's crazy. Cody Russ, do you think you could wait that long to fish a tournament? No. <laughs> I I've been making that 16 hour drive, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, all I right. Spawning like too much. <laughs> that, you know, I used to have a, a different opinion about it. Not like I don't like people that fish for spawning fish, but it was, I was always a summer guy. I love summer fishing, hot weather, that kind of stuff. And then a good buddy of mine finally took me out to a little local pond and taught me how the spawn worked and sight fishing and bed fishing. You know, I've gotten some information from Russ when we were at Lake Fork and stuff like that. And like, that's my thing now. So I completely understand if, if, if conservation, you know, and the, you know, the fishery in Alabama finally stepped up and did anything and took that away from us, I'd probably move, you know, like, which I'm already that close anyway. Tennessee's starting to, to call to me i love tennessee it's awesome i love it here <laughs> well uh, let's get into the tournament guys uh you know everybody knows hobie two-day event so 200 anglers another sold out event from from hobie um not to you know go in the future too much but some limits caught but the first day it got kind of stingy with limits but there were some good fish caught so uh cody go into how your day one went um, it was actually, it started, it, I caught one on the very first cast or like right at seven o'clock. I got like a 17 and a half. Um, That's a bad omen. The start, good, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's what Russ kept telling me. I was like, no, it's like this is good, this is good. But now, in all reality, did go probably an half with like two fish after that. It kind of, kind of moved. I kind of moved around. I probably was throwing the wrong baits as much as anything. But um, it really picked up probably around nine o'clock. I kind of got into a little better area probably as much as anything. Um, and I mean, they weren't really. They were kind of eating a thumper spinner bait pretty good first thing in the morning, but after that, for me, I was I was really having to like kind of burn like a double willow by the trees a little more so. Um, and were, were and you that just kind of really dirty water. As the day went on. It was were, it was really pocket like the yeah the kind of the sloughs were really cleaner. Um, they kind of had coontail mm-hmm. in the middle of them, and they cleaned up a little bit. But like as you got like off of those sloughs you would get in the you would get into like some either some stain you know i wouldn't call it super super muddy it was more so the first day um even kind of found a mud line at the middle part of the middle part of the second day um and they were kind of around that not probably as much as i would have thought they would have been um i think as much as anything is like i just kept exploring that first day i don't know if it was necessarily good or bad but um I probably fished new water for probably half of the day every day. Um, Cause I mean, wow. everything looked the same. So it didn't really look like you were giving up much time moving and continually right. doing what was working in other places. Um, and then kind of stumbled across something pretty, pretty good with like probably an hour left. I got like a 20 and a half and like an 18, seven, five or something. Um, so it looked a little prettier than it really was the first day. <laughs> um, yeah. I, caught, I caught a lot of fish. They weren't, uh, I really caught all my big ones in like the last hour and a half. So it kind of worked out well for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just going back to day one, you know, uh, you call, uh, 20 and three quarter, a 20 and a half and a 20 and a quarter, uh, three great big fish. And, mm-hmm. you know, you ended up at the end of the day with 97 and a quarter, which, you know, third place going into day two, which, you know, it's a great way to just start a tournament, especially, you know, thinking back to the fact that, it's been beat on by the, by the, the pros and, you know, all the boat folks and, you know, especially, you know, to think about too, for a lot of people, you know, they yeah. say you don't leave fish to find fish and like you talking about exploring a lot of new water. Uh, and then an, another fact to that is something that you mentioned is um, with all the areas, areas being similar, I 100% agree with you because you can kind of judge what you've found and then, you know, if you've done your study and or know that everything's very similar, you can just like, I don't think of that as leaving fish. You're just hitting multiple areas of similarity for the same results. That's awesome. Um, um, and the other thing, but, it was like, I, I, it, it, that first day, like you would go, go in air. Uh, um, I, I would kind of, um, they, they were really sucked up on top of that grass. And it was like, it seemed like whenever, anytime I found like a new area, it was, there would be like a fairly significant amount of fry around. Heck yeah. Well, uh, what about you, Russ? What did uh, day one have until for you? So day one, I went to the spot I pre-fished on Wednesday where it, where it had like 50 bites or so. And, um the very first area i first started on an area where i caught the biggest fish and only fished it for about 10 minutes didn't get a bite and i was a little just thrown off as far as because the fish would just be in different moods throughout the day sometimes you could fish fast with a spinner bait sometimes they wouldn't touch a spinner bait and you had to you know throw a senko or something slow or i was using a swim jig or 
using that Berkeley ghillie and I'd swim it and just drop it down right on the tree and dead stick it. I had a couple giant ones, so like eight pounders pre-fishing on that. Um, but yeah, so I fished the first 10 minutes in an area where I, where I caught my biggest fish, couldn't get a bite. And I was, I was a little thrown off as far as like what kind of mood they were in. So I decided to go to this little shallow water flat that was just a few hundred yards away and I knew there was a bunch of small buck bass there from like 12 to 15 inches. And the trees were were very isolated. It was like every single tree when I fished it and pre-fished would have a fish, but they were all small. Uh, but I figured mm -hmm. I could at least go there and just kind of get an idea of what kind of mood they were in. And uh, so I did that. I tied on a fluke and uh, and I'd get them on the fluke, but they weren't super aggressive. They, you know, a lot of times I'd cast past the tree with several lures. I'd always cast past it work it up to it and then a lot of times let it stop uh, mm. depending on how long it took them before they picked it up off the bottom you know i can kind of tell how aggressive they were but i got a limit really quick on a on a fluke uh, probably about 30 40 minutes lost a couple decent ones maybe 16 17 inches and then uh then after that, I kept working and decided to, to hit another area, was a bigger, just kind of open, open pond with some, some cypress trees, similar to where I caught those little ones, but just a little larger, a little deeper water nearby. And I knew that area, I was catching a lot of like 18 to, to 19 inch fish out of that spot. And by the time I got there, I fished kind of my way there and i didn't get a bite for maybe an hour i was, I was fishing more of the thick jungle trees and uh i did punch one fish i punched two there was grass mats also like hyacinth mats with like some sort of duckweed type of stuff uh, mm -hmm. but i punched a couple and i was still just i was really changing baits a lot and just trying to figure out once i felt like i was on the right bait then i'd just stick with it but I still felt like punching wasn't the right thing. And then finally at 10 o'clock, the wind picked up a little bit. And I finally tied on that spinner bait, uh, that thumper one, same one Cody was using. And it was, it was insane how many, I was getting, I, I caught 20 fish, I think in, in two hours from 10 to noon, uh, they were just absolutely crushing that spinner bait. And then you could, I mean, it's, it seemed like if you got it in front of one, it was going to, it was going to eat it. It was probably every three or four trees and they were all like 17 to 19 uh and i got one over 20 20 and a quarter that are like a foot of water too but i think all my fish i had two 19 and a halves two 19 and a quarters and uh 20 21 21 21 uh was my best five and then after that though the i noticed the water was dropping fast and also noticed that a lot of those areas were clearing up too, like quickly, mm -hmm. like just from the morning to the afternoon, like there was a big difference in the water clarity. Uh, the next few hours, I couldn't figure anything else out really. And I felt like I'd caught all my fish uh, in those high percentage areas. And I felt like the rest of the spots, I couldn't get bit anymore. It was getting too clear. And I was really, really worried for that, for that next day. Um, so I ended up fishing, I, I can wait to go into that, I guess, but I ended up fishing somewhere else that, that next day. So uh, a quick question I have for you is, um, one, when you were, like you said, you were fishing off of the trees with the buck bass that you had seen before and that, you know, getting an idea of how are they doing when you are fishing that way, do you immediately, like when you catch one of those bucks, do you 
use that in your mind to know that, okay, obviously the females may not be here yet, but you know, maybe they're back. It was just yards a really, or, in that area, it was just a really, really shallow area gotcha. that wasn't close to like deep water access. And it was, it was just a type of area that I pro like very unlikely to have bigger fish move up in like the right in the area yeah yeah there was bigger fish nearby but on that particular area it was just really really shallow and that's a good gotcha. area and sometimes first thing in the morning like those are the easiest ones to catch are those really you know if there's fish on a really really shallow area where they kind of are forced to stay there um i kind of rather fish that sometimes than like the deeper like the first 10, 15 minutes that I fished that deeper water, like the deep access, like the first place the fish would kind of stage or get to before they moved up into that area. And the fact I didn't get a bite there uh, just told me, like, I, I just thought, all right, let me go up and get my limit. And if there's fish up in the shallow area, I'm going to know like quick because there's, they were on just about every tree and there was only maybe 20, 25 trees in this, in the shallow area. And the, the second question I had is with the wind, you know, you mentioned that, you know, y'all were going to have projected winds up, you know, really high, 30s, 40s, and you picked areas protected from the wind, but your bite ended up dependent a little bit on the wind towards the end of the day with that, you know, that thumper. It um, did, yeah. And I fished it, like, by the end of the day, like, that, that area where I was really crushing them on a spinnerbait, that was also a really open area as well. And I knew that, you know, I kind of had it in my head, okay, what's going to be the best time to hit each of these sections? Because I know if I wait too long and that wind's blowing 30, 40 mile an hour gusts, I'm not going to be able to fish that one open area. So, I, you know, I was really in my head that, all right, I want to fish this. I'm going to time it out. So right when that wind kicks up, that's going to be a good time to fish this area. And then once it gets really strong after that, I had areas that were really protected, like tucked away and like heavily forested areas. So with, with that heavy wind, is it for, for people, because I've had this question asked to me recently about, you know, someone new coming to this. So I'll ask it to you. Is it, does the bite die down in the heavier wind or is it just to the fact that in the kayak, it is harder to fish the heavy winded areas? Uh, both, both, I guess. But in this case, it actually got really warm by 10 o'clock. It started warming up pretty quick. And I noticed it took always whenever I take my, my hoodie off my Dakota lithium hoodie here. Once I take that off, like it always seems to be like, that's when the fish turn on all of a sudden sometimes. And once that wind kicked up, it was still warm. But then at noon, I actually noticed a temperature drop of maybe five, you know, maybe five degree temperature drop. And I, I think the fish felt that as well. Oh, definitely. It, it's, you know, something to say about you guys that are, are doing this, you know, so well, so consistently that it, and things that y'all mention the, the factors that y'all pay attention to that most of us regular guys miss these slight temperature changes, pressure changes, moon phase, all of that stuff comes into play, which is what separates, you know, y'all and y'all as in a lot of these higher level people that, consistently do so well from the rest of us but uh nate why don't you uh how, how did your your pre-fishing and or i'm sorry your day one how did that go you know fishing still fishing up north a little bit yeah yeah my my plan was to go back to so i i pre-fish uh a northern creek arm uh twice and both times got a couple bites like i caught a, a you know a couple of 18s 
uh, a 19 and then a 23 and a quarter. So I, Not too shabby. Days, same, same times, like my bite window was like between like 8.30 to 11 or so. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so my strategy for day one, there was uh, kind of an offshore community hole um, not far from the ramp. So I went there right off the start because, you know, the, the wind hadn't really picked up yet. So I figure I'll, I'll try to get maybe a quick, you know, small limit and then, uh, you know, work on some bigger fish from there. And, and I started off there in the morning. Um, I kind of, I, I threw a, a chatterbait and a spinnerbait around the shallow areas around that, around that, that deep uh, pool and uh, quickly snagged both of them, lost them both. Then I started throwing <laughs> crankbaits, um, you know, through the deeper water, lost that through a drop shot, got that snagged. And I'm like, you know what, I'm out. I'm out. Like, <laughs> this sounds like one of my fishing trips. I love yeah. this. Yeah, I don't know what was going on, but I'm like, this isn't how I'm gonna start my day. So I, uh, I, I packed it up and I, I went into my uh, creek arm and I basically started working right away for that uh, that 23 and a quarter that I caught in, in three fish. And I think I got it on my like second or third fish um, or, or actually a similar one. I think it was maybe 23. I'm, I'm not, yeah, 23. Was it 23? Yeah. So I knew there was a couple big fish back there and uh, I was catching everything on a, on a wacky rig Senko. I was trying to power fish. Um, during pre-fish and I even tried power fishing. I was throwing crankbaits, spinnerbaits, chatterbaits. Nothing was, uh, I couldn't get a bite on any of them. Um, but I just started throwing that wacky rig against uh, the cypress trees, like the bigger cypress trees and uh, really just letting it soak. Um, yeah, there's, there she is. Yeah, that's a, you know, 23 is worth talking about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so so yeah, I find that Senko uh, pretty much soaked there. Like I tried, I tried popping it, I tried dragging it, tried a bunch of different stuff, but really it was it was just really getting it to the right spot, and they'd either get it on on the first fall, or uh, or they'd pick it up after you know five seconds of, of, of just kind of dead sticking it there. So, what color Senko were you throwing? Did color matter at all? I was just about to ask. <laughs> it didn't matter, and the size mattered too, because I, I, uh, I was trying to throw a four-inch senko, and I don't know if like, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I couldn't skip it. I couldn't throw it. I couldn't get it where I needed it to go. And I don't know, even when I did, I don't know if the fall rate wasn't what they wanted, but they weren't eating a four-inch. It had to be a five-inch, and it, it had to be watermelon. Um, for me. So I actually, I caught my five fish pretty early. Like I got, I got a, a really solid limit, um, pretty early in the morning and pretty much right at the same time I ran out of those Sankos. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, there was no one there, you know, even during pre-fish, even it was a protected, protected little pocket out of the wind. And, and no one was there. Like a couple of bass boats went through during pre-fish and they just like power fish through you know, a bait on, on, you know, kind of the key trees along the little ditch area and, uh, and then got right out of there. And I kind of picked the place apart and really, you know, I knew there was fish there or I believed there to be fish there and, and, and 
if you let it sit there for long enough. But yeah, I ran into Senko's. I'm like, you know what? It's a good time to get out of this spot. I checked out some other areas um, in that creek. Couldn't find anything. Didn't I actually I caught like a I think a 17 and three quarter, but it, it wasn't an upgrade for me at that time. And uh, by one o'clock, I got off the water because I'm like, I gotta go get. I had to go buy a bunch more uh, watermelon Sankos. <laughs> like if anyone else is on the same bite, I don't want I don't want the the bait shack to be sold out. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just get off the water. I'll, I'll get four or five packs of those and and uh, hit it up day two. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Heck yeah. Well, you, you, you know it's been a good day when you burned through that bag of, or multiple bags of baits and you got to like... I got to make this tackle trip at the end of the day. That's a great feeling. Well, when they're biting, when you're losing them all, it's kind of shitty. But so just to go over a recap of how day one went for you guys, let me scroll up here to the top. Uh, day one, Nathan, you came out with 98 and three quarters with that huge 23 to anchor that. Russ, you were right behind him, quarter inch down uh, with, you know, five great fish, one over the 20 mark and you had four 19 pluses, you know, you were right there. And Cody, Cody had three over the 20 mark and had two that I know you wish you could have just got rid of to just gap them a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into day two a little bit. Um, Things did change. Yes, sir. Jimmy, before we start, can I ask Russ a question? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, like, what was it about your spot that had the fish stacked up so much? Because I just I wasn't on like a quantity. I can answer I, this. He sold his soul to Satan. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't a spot. It was uh it was a pattern that was consistent yeah. all over uh that north end of the lake or the west end of the lake up river. Uh me, Adam, and Cody were all it was all the same type of deal. Um uh, there was certain areas like that had higher concentrations. And sometimes like the area I fished on the second day didn't have near as many fish, but the average size was definitely better. But the pattern was consistent all over. It's just some areas had a lot of fish and those areas they'd technically be a little smaller. In some areas there was less fish, um, but you can get into some some bigger ones is what I found. I think part of it too is usually when that many fish because uh, i mean that whole area north is such a traditional spawning area for that lake and then it rose to two and a half feet and i mean it definitely scattered out and usually when they scatter out or in new areas like you're the first person that ever showed a bait to them in that area so it's like 
I they think were that was super aggressive. If you got it in front of them, like you felt like you would catch them. And that's so that was yeah. what was so hard about going through an area. Like anytime me or Cody or Adam, we all had the feeling like if you go through that same area that you catch fish a second time, it was very hard to get bit because yeah. it felt like if you like if they were there, you caught them. And as soon as you did catch right. them, like it thinned out quick. Mm-hmm. so i yep. wish i didn't catch as many pre-fishing but it's that's too much fun <laughs> yeah no i understand well uh as, as said you know going into day two we did obviously we saw some differences um we saw the numbers uh i don't want to say fall off for some uh you guys did stay consistent but you saw uh some numbers greatly increase from a few other anglers um i won't i won't go into y'all's numbers yet but just to give everybody an idea of how the fishing went for a couple of guys uh i'm not i'll probably pronounce this wrong but tang tang vey uh 108 inches on day two that is ridiculous and uh vinnie fieri shout out to my man uh 105 and a quarter i mean I would not care at all if I went away from that tournament without the win. 108 and 105 day, that big over the century mark. Who cares? They got them. I won't tell exactly the spot. I know where they got them, but they were they were fishing an area that I it wouldn't even have crossed my mind to. to I actually saw somebody pre fishing. I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) They were throwing. I don't know if it was one of them. Obviously. There was something to it, but they were throwing a, a deep dive and crankbait. I know that. Yeah. Well, 105 and 108 inches later, you might be like, well, shit. <laughs> I, it, it really shocked me. I was like, wow, that was totally off my radar. But, well, let's, uh, let's get right into day two, Cody. Um, did y'all, were y'all, as Russ mentioned, he was starting to see the falling and the clearing of the water. Is that more the same that y'all were experiencing on day two, which may for some of, some of y'all have caused or, you know, made that bite just a little bit lesser than day one. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think it definitely pushed, it pushed some fish to other areas though. Mm -hmm. Um, For one, like I was able to find shallower water easier, um, which I'm sure even left there, but still just being able to fish that water made it, made it feel like, you know, you, you caught them when you fished it, you know? Right. Uh, and I, I'm convinced too, that even when that water did fall out, those fish that were spawning, they, they did stay up there. Um, Cause I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident of that. So I mean, if you had fish that were on some of those spawning trees, they were, they were definitely still there even after that water fell out. Um, didn't catch one fish in the like my main area the second day um like i think i caught like one 12 incher uh it was crazy and i really only caught one or two early at all um it was you know it was dead slick kind of in the woods where you know where i was at and then i pretty much threw a cinco most of the day that second day um and that's kind of one of the things that really made me believe they were spawning was if I caught it, if I had got a bite on a tree, didn't even have to have caught it, but if I'd got a bite there, I would have, I caught one there that second day. Um, and they tend they seemed like they were a little better ones too. Like I wasn't getting as many bites, but like the average was, the average was better. More quality. Was catching those twenties and stuff. I felt like. Heck yeah. So just to, before we move on, like I, think I lost you for a second. 
Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty, uh, and then still kind of much like the first day, pretty well got saved by the last like hour and a half or two hours. Um, I actually had some kayak, kind of, I kind of had some kayak issues. So I was, I was drifting around there for the last little, last little while, but, um, yeah, I think it was like one to two o'clock. I caught three of the five fish I used and kind of pulled into a different area. It was a place I hadn't been, you know, the whole week really. So it was, yeah, it kind of just goes, you know, it goes to show like, you know, I mean, covering, covering that water was definitely pretty beneficial. And how do you, you know, when, you know, when you're thinking about falling water and everybody talks about how much the bite is better typically on rising water, how do you approach a falling, like when you left day one, you knew what was going on. What do you, did you do anything different or did you just strictly focus on areas that you had got bit? Oh, we lost him. What about you, Russ? Same question. Yeah, I can go into my second day, and that plays a big part of, of what happened yeah, yeah, on yeah. my second day. Actually, is uh, so I fished. I fished new water. It was a similar type area, uh, but just a little farther up river, maybe two, three miles, about two miles above. And I knew if it, it didn't pan out, I can have a little half hour paddle down to my other spot. Um, but I I got up there, and uh, when I entered into the, the backwater area, it was still pretty stained and. Uh, I've seen some activity on the, on the graph and the fish finder. And, um, my first fish was on, was on the ghillie. I knew, I, I knew the spinner bait wasn't happening. It was too cold. Uh, so I started using that ghillie. I'd cast it past the tree. I'd reel it up to the tree. I'd do pop, pop, and then just let it sit. And it was painfully slow. Like I had to wait. I really tried to focus on like the really high percentage trees because just to like do that on any old tree is just going to waste too much time. So it was tough to do that, but I got one fish doing that. Uh, then I decided to tie on a, a square bill, a 2.5 um, square bill. It's like black and black and yellow, a little hand painted one that I, that I made and got that big uh, 21 and three quarter on that. I'm like, all right, good. I found a bait. This is awesome. And as, as I started working back into that backwater, the water started getting clearer and clearer. The sky started getting higher. And I was like, ah, oh, this crankbait's not working. So then I had to go back to the ghillie. I went back to a Senko, uh, hooked another good one on a ghillie, like an 18 incher. Oh, I got, I, I got my, got my third fish on a ghillie. And then the fourth bite I got, the thing uh, it's probably 18, 19 incher. It ran underneath my kayak and got caught up on the transducer and came off. I was like, no, but um, kept working back. That water just kept getting clearer and clearer. And there was a lot of grass mats there. And I was, I was punching both days a little bit and pre-fish. I spent a lot of time pre-fishing punching, but just wasn't the right conditions for it. But I felt like this day was, on, especially after that cold front, and it was still cold. And I'm like, they, and the water's clear. And I'm like, they got to be some fish underneath these grass mats. Yeah. Uh, so I stuck with it. And eventually I'm like, I got to get back out to the dirtier water. It's just too clean in here. I started working my way back out, hit some stained water, and uh, got a few bites punching. I, I lost I lost two 20s in a row. The second one. I lifted it into the kayak. It came off as I lifted it in, bounced in the kayak, bounced out the other side. So I had, you know, I had some missed opportunities, but I tried not to get discouraged. Uh, finally caught a couple more punching. And then I noticed that this whole area I was in was just like a little bit deeper. It was a ditch. There was a bunch of trees there, but there was a bit of a ditch. Uh, Cause as I continued to go, it got, 
you know, I was in like three, four feet of water. And then all of a sudden it came back up to like a foot of water and I stopped catching fish. And I'm like, all right, they're, they're in this ditch. So uh, right about then the wind started kicking up pretty good. It'd been blowing actually for about an hour or two, but it was still a little cool. But finally that temperature got right at about like one, one thirty. Uh, I tied on that spinner bait and got the, uh, I got a 21 and a quarter on the spinner bait, uh, that just absolutely freight trained it and, uh, <laughs> and right at me. And I couldn't stand up in time. Actually, it snapped my rod in half. Cause I feel, you know, in a kayak, if it runs underneath your boat, it's hard to get that rod. Unless you're standing up, it's hard to get that oh, rod yeah. at an angle. I've broken, you know, it's not the rod's fault at all. Any rod would have would have broke, but uh, you know, just when I had it, I had it kind of high up, and the thing ran right underneath the boat, broke right at the first guide, and the thing's thrashing around underneath my kayak on the backside. I had to hand line it in, got it in. Uh, and just kept sticking with it. And with literally one minute to go, uh, I knew I was, I was three inches or about two and a half inches, uh, behind Nate. And with one minute to go, I got an 18 and a half incher that called me, uh, that called me three inches. And I knew from what he had when the leaderboard was turned off, I knew I was going to be half inch ahead of him, but I'm like, man, the bite's good right now. Like it's a good chance <laughs> to, but, um, but, but yeah, that's how my day went. And the whole time, you know, I, I was paddling this tournament the whole entire time. I was, I was using my wilderness systems attack 120. I had the torpedo on there when I was pre-fishing, which was awesome, covering a lot of water. Um, but even, you know, even when I had the torpedo off and I was just paddling, when I put the rudder on there, uh, it was actually almost, I don't, I wouldn't say it was better. You couldn't cover as much water, but as long as you're in that pretty protected water, it's actually really nice because all the grass mats just like slid right over the top of everything. And I was just like a little bit stealthier. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've been using that kayak for five years and that thing is bulletproof. I've run in all sorts of cypress trees, bang it into everything. And it has never, ever uh, left me stranded or created a problem for me in one tournament ever. So I know I'm not by them now but i've been using that kayak long before i was sponsored by them and i freaking love that thing you you've been with them since i've known you and adam was in a bona fide when i met him and between you two guys you can attest to how tough a kayak is because i have watched adam mm -hmm. skin the bottom off of a bona fide and hook one like basically just melt it back together for him to keep using so, but you two guys can. So, if you yeah. hear Russ or Adam say a boat can take a whipping, oh, yeah, leave them on that. <laughs> the bonafides are good. That bonafide is, is very similar to the wilderness systems. So that's just the style of fishing I do. You know, that's the type of kayak that, that I really like using. Heck yeah. Well, Nate, let's hear about the, your day two that sealed the deal for you. Yeah, day two, uh, you know, I, I had a tough time sleeping thinking about how many times Russ had called. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, he's clearly on a lot of fish and I feel like I have five bites. So if that, so, so I had a tough time sleeping, but I, I thought I'd just go right back to, to where I was before. Actually the wind had changed just a little bit and it was a little bit windier, like kind of hitting that secondary point. I stopped there and I threw up. I tied on the exact same thing, like a, a two and a half inch square bill, black and yellow. Oh, cool. uh, I fished that on the uh, on the secondary point on like exact same thing, high percentage trees right on the corners. There was kind of a little ditch going into my back 
back pool with, you know, larger cypress trees. And I threw that crank crankbait for a while and I got a couple bites, but I couldn't, I couldn't hook in anything. Got that, uh, got that Senko back in my uh, hand and, and, and it didn't leave my hand for the rest of the day. I started throwing at those exact same trees, just kind of like picking them apart with the 360, just kind of moving all around them. And uh, I, I started getting bites again around the same time and, and kind of limited out around the same time on, on day two. Um, the bite, it, it, it got really slow and I probably should have left that area like hours before, but I, for some reason, I still had faith that I was gonna, I was gonna maybe catch some more, but, but I, I, I upgraded, I think, a couple times, like a couple upgrade, like a couple inch upgrade, but uh, didn't get anything for hours. And uh, I started looking at the leaderboard, and uh, that's a dangerous thing to do, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized, like, like Russ was nowhere when I checked, and I limited out. That's when I first checked the leaderboard, and I didn't see Russ anywhere. I'm like, whoo. Thank goodness. I got nothing to worry about here. <laughs> and then, uh, and then when I checked it close to the end of the day, all of a sudden he's three inches behind me. And I, I'm like, no, I don't surprise. I don't trust him not to catch any more fish. <laughs> so, and I wasn't getting bit and you know, I had a half an hour to fish. I'm like, I'm getting out of this. I'm getting out of this Creek arm. And, and I went around the outside edge of it, fish down some, uh, some of those mats and kept throwing that Sanko right on the, right on like, you know, small points. And, and I got bit and I upgraded an inch at, I think it was like 242. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm not sure if the leaderboard caught it or not. I'm not sure what time it, it turned it off. It turned off at like two. I'm pretty Did sure, it? right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm it was not. before that. Cause I was trying to keep up with it. And I remember what, I think it was like one thirty or so, but I clicked yeah. on it and I couldn't keep up and I was like, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, I thought I was four inches ahead, and I'm like, okay, you know, that could be okay. You know, he'd have to maybe call a couple more fish with not a lot of time left, and you know, kind of put the odds in my favor. I thought, but I still wasn't very confident getting on off the water. Um, and and then during the uh, awards ceremony, there, I started reading out, <laughs> reading out the. Uh, actually, did he say that he that you called? three inches or something i did like right like a minute before a minute before or less like 30 seconds before they were going to determine who it was me and you yeah I'm like, I'm like so did you call any because i call I, I made a call right uh that put me half inch ahead of you and he's like yeah i called two one inch and i'm like <laughs> oh man you got it yeah see the thing is i didn't know at what point it picked up my one inch or like if it was on the leaderboard or if it didn't i, I wasn't really yeah at that point now, when you said you upgraded three inches, I'm like, oh, I think I, I think I just lost. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good battle, definitely. No, man, go on losing to a good guy like you, Nate, and it was, uh, it's, it's fun when it comes down to the wire like that. I enjoy it. It was, it was amazing. So we'll, we'll hit it real quick. So the day two, uh, Nate ended up with third with 95 and three quarters. Russ was uh, not too far behind him with uh, fifth place, 95 and a half after day two. And Cody was eighth with 91 and a quarter. So he was still in the mix. And oh, and then going into the totals, uh, just for anybody that you know, maybe hadn't heard about. So Nate ended up with 94 and a half. As y'all have heard, 
uh, from them talking. Russ was right on his tail with 90, uh, 194, so in half an inch, and they battled it out all the way to the end. And Cody came in with uh, 188 and a half. So they, they put a little bit of a gap on you, but I will say this, that when I was watching the leaderboard through the day as I could, I felt like when I saw that Cody got third, I was like, well, damn, where'd that come from? Not that you didn't have a good day. It's just like I knew where you were after day one, but, you know, you saw like the 108 and the 105, and you're like, oh, well, that's going to put some of these guys down, you know, towards 10th. And then just like, boom, you know, there you were. So, but, you know, I appreciate y'all coming on so much. It was a great event. Y'all have given great information um, on, you know, changing conditions and how y'all attacked such a great lake with great fish. But uh, let's let's hit some conclusions real quick. You know, Cody, uh, how, how do you feel about how everything was and where you ended up? I, I was I thrilled with it. Um, I mean, kind of even after the first couple of days of practice, like uh, you know, I had you know, it was it was a good couple of days, but that wind just kind of threw a wrench in it. And you know, when Russ and I went and practiced on Friday, like I don't think I caught a fish over probably nineteen and a quarter, and I don't. I don't Russ. I don't know. Russ might have caught one around that. No, I was they like 18, nine, 18 probably yeah. for me. We we're getting uh, a lot, but no, no, a lot ones. of fish, but didn't really catch big ones. And like I predicted that the record was going to get broken in this tournament all week long. And like I mean, because it was they were slamming out there, and I, I felt like oh, yeah. was still going to stick it out, you know, and get it. So I kind of felt we like I was, be, we were both guessing that there on the first day. I was like, there's going to be five limits over 100 inches. Yeah, uh, that win definitely protected those numbers a little bit. I think I think more than just the one day record would have fallen had it have been you mm-hmm. know sub twenty miles out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Russ? Any conclusions on this? Uh, how it went? Anything you would have changed or happy with how you ended it up? I mean, we know you wanted I'm, to win. But. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy with how, how it went. I, I missed a few opportunities losing some big fish the second day, but that's just how it was. The first day I got really fortunate. I didn't lose like a single fish, I don't think. Maybe a couple little ones. It didn't matter, but nothing even. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, overall, I was, you know, I had time just on the drive home. I always kind of reflect back on the tournament. It's like, okay, should I have done anything different or could I, you know, how, you know, just kind of reflect back on everything. And I was, I really felt good about just everything from uh, the decision for me, Cody and Adam to go camp out together. It seems whenever I go camping, we always, <laughs> it always, <laughs> always a good tournament. Yeah. So wake up. Yeah. So, so that was cool. And we just really kept to ourselves, just the three of us and didn't really talk to too many outside people, tried to kind of stay away from people at the ramp as best <laughs> I could. And, and just kind of keep to ourselves and try to dial it in, not listen to a lot of a lot of dog talk. And um, and yeah, I felt like my game plan worked out. The weather forecast stayed consistent with what they said it was going to be early in the week, and that's always rare. nice. To work <laughs> yeah, as you see a forecast for the weekend, you get there Tuesday, and you you know you start your pre-fishing based on that forecast. And next thing you know, like it's completely different. It's not nothing like they said it was going to be, but. Uh, the forecast was very accurate all from when we got there earlier in the week. The one thing is we didn't get quite as much rain. Like, it seems like that big storm that came through, uh, it's like Wednesday or Thursday, something like that, just kind of missed us to the north and south. We had a little bit of rain, uh, but we really missed, like, the brunt of it. And looking back, you know, it would actually have been nicer if we got a little bit more rain. I think the fish <laughs> been 
maybe a little bit better, but then, you know, you ask for too much and then everything's blown out. So, sure. uh, but yeah, I was happy with, with the area. I'm happy that that, that pattern, even though it, it was, you know, I did cut a lot of fish on, on Saturday, Sunday was, was tough. I really had to grind and those areas where I actually caught those fish in the last couple hours was I moved back out of the pocket out towards the main lake more in an area where I never got bit free fishing. So it's completely moved. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm happy I made that adjustment. I'm happy that I, you know, was so much on the line that last couple hours, you know, had to have the guts to kind of fish some new water and just say, okay, this is where they should be going, even though I didn't get bit here. And, and sure enough, that's where they were. So I was, I was really happy with, with how it went. No, you can't ask for better, man. I mean, I mean, you can, but as a humble a person as you guys are, I, th I think you're right. But what about you, Nate? Any conclusions? Did I mean, uh, a, a comment that I saw that stuck out to me was somebody commented and said that you made Canadian history. You know, run down first Toby event, first time fishing that in the U.S., and you smoked it. So would you have changed anything? I highly doubt it. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I felt like I made pretty smart decisions out there. And, like, I stayed patient, which is, you know, something I have a tough time with. But, uh, you know, it, it worked out really well. I made, made good decisions. I, I moved when I had to move. You know, I could have maybe done some things a little earlier. Um, but I'm pretty happy with it. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It, it would have been a little more exciting if I would have got to power fish like I planned. Like I'm like, I'm loading up on chatter baits and spinner baits and all these moving baits. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And, and, and Senko, 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 Senko. this wasn't the bite for me. So it was just throwing Senkos and, and kind of finesse fishing like I do up here in Ontario. So no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. I, I mean, $10,500 10, happy. Yeah. Tournament of Champions qualified happy i think it was a good trip man uh the drive still sucked but i mean look at what you won you paid for like three tanks of gas so good job <laughs> <laughs> well all right guys it's been a great show i thank you guys so much for coming on uh fantastic to get to talk to everybody again nate great to have you on never having you on before russ and cody so glad you could join me again uh this is the part of the show where i like to give you guys a chance to shout out everybody that makes fishing easier for you so cody take it away who makes it easier for you and Fish USA definitely, you know, helped me for several years now as far as having, you know, having a bunch of different kayak companies, uh, you know, Hobie, they've got pretty much all of them. Um, Tackle, got some of my favorite lines like Gamma, um, Dakota Lithium. Um, I think I've been with them for almost, two, I guess, a little over two years. And uh, Newport Vessels is kind of a new one for me this year, um, which pairs perfectly with those 260-amp-hour 260, 260 12-volt Dakota Lithiums. Um, I run the 24 volt a lot too, but I actually didn't charge it after Friday and we ran a long ways and I just probably ran it like eight miles on Caddo today. So I've probably got like over 16 miles out of that 24 volt with the <laughs> or NK 180, but it's on the charger now. So we're ready. We're ready for another.
Another battle. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're built so strong, man. I haven't, I've, I think I've had like, this is my fourth different motor I've had in over six years. And I've never made it through one year with on the same motor. And I did last year. So that, that's impressive for me. I don't know. I don't know how much longer it's got in, but it's definitely still kicking. Um, catch products. Definitely make some really cool videos and have some, have some really good boards, you know, that we all pretty much all use now. Um, and Dobbins rods. That was a kind of one I kind of switched to last year. Um, man, awesome rods. Really, they really are good. Some of the best like composite and CB glass rods I've ever used. Um, really like them, but that's, yeah, all, all of those companies have helped me, you know, tremendously the last little while. But thanks for, thanks for having us on, Jimmy. I enjoyed it. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you made it. Uh, you were a little late, but it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> all right. What about you, Russ? Yeah. I uh, like to start off, you know, thinking wilderness systems, kayaks. Like I say, I absolutely love my attack 120. It's perfect for that style of fishing. Uh, I also have a recon that I've had for a little while and I'm just waiting, you know, supply chain issues and stuff like that. And I really want to, when I set it up, I really want to just do it right the first time and get everything I need, but I'm looking forward to setting up the, uh, the live scope and, um, you know, and, do some of the, that style of fishing too uh, for when I fish offshore or any of that deeper water. I've got some tournaments where that's going to come into play. Uh, Torquedo, I have the Torquedo 1103 uh, rigged on that, and it, it was just awesome for covering so much water. I can run seven miles an hour in my attack on that thing. And uh, foot <laughs> steering and zipping in and out of all those cypress trees. And Cody seen me do it. I can make such tight turns and just mm -hmm. I can maneuver really well. Uh, with that 1103 on the back of the attack. Uh, also, like, thank Dakota Lithium. You know, we were, we were camping out there, and, uh, you know, I, I have, I've said it many times, but I have the 200 amp hours in my truck, and uh, it's a system that allows me to charge my Torquedo batteries, my Fish Finder batteries, which are also Torquedo, or sorry, also Dakota Lithium. Uh, I have a couple of power boxes that I've been running my Tacticams and my GoPros this year, so I got some great video footage from this tournament. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd like to thank iRod, uh, I, my new signature series rod came out. I'm just really grateful that they gave me that opportunity to create and design that rod. It's called the Snyder Sniper. It's a seven foot five. That's a very, very versatile rod. It's like a, in between a medium and a medium heavy in between like a moderate and a fat, like a moderate fast rod. And I, I think it's the best rod for fish in a chatterbait especially if you're making long casts maybe not for skipping under docks and stuff like that but mm -hmm. if you're making long casts with a chatterbait like on flats with grass it, you can't I'm telling you, you can't beat it it's a great rod uh another couple another great rod uh was the square bill special and the lone star special which are both six foot nine rods which worked really well for just working through those cypress trees and those tight quarters uh i was throwing that square bill on the square bill special and the Lone Star uh, special I was using with the swim jig and, and pitching around some baits as well. Uh, also, like, thank Catch Outdoors. I'm going to be shooting a, a video here with, uh, with Dusty and Cody and Lance uh, coming up in a few weeks. I'm really excited about that. And obviously, they're the, the go-to board for all the tournaments right now. Um, and uh, I think that's it. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate it. And... Uh... You know, I'm gonna let y'all get to it. I know y'all got a lot going on. Cody's getting ready for another tournament. Russ is trying to get settled back in. We lost Nate before he had to get his, uh, you know, thank whoever helps him make it easier. But uh, I appreciate you guys again, and I'm sure we'll have y'all again. And you know, congrats and good luck for the rest of the year. And we'll see you next time.
right. Thanks for having us on, Jimmy. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. I enjoyed okay. it. Y'all be safe. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. Well, I thank y'all so much. And I think I'm about to get some shut eye, get ready for some pre fishing down here at Del Hollow. And we will holler at you next week. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.